This reading is Paul's rebuke to the Galatians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. Well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by doing the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to (coughs) Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Folks, I wonder if we stand for uh, the gospel reading this morning. Let's stand together. The second reading is from Matthew 13, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And the next reading is from Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am always I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks, readers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that is Jesus Christ uh, who comes uh, and knocks at the doors of our lives. Uh, Lord, to come and to be with us. Lord, help us as we hear your word this morning to open that door and receive him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to be seated? So as we've been uh, saying that our series this year is on discipleship, uh, and for those that are in the care cells, your companion for that, for that study series is a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrote a book called Discipleship, and we'll be 
You'll be reading different excerpts from that book as we go through, uh, and the sermons will kind of be linking into that a little bit as well. So we'll uh, hear some of the thinking of, of Bonhoeffer on this particular area. Today we're going to kind of lay the foundations uh, for uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and in particular, and a big part of that is the the connection, the relationship between grace and uh, following Jesus, and what is the connection there? How does that, how do those two things work together? Because if we know our scriptures a little bit, we'll realize, you know, grace is this kind of free thing that's just given to us, but then we have a call uh, to live a certain life uh, after that. So what, what is the relationship between that? And that will kind of lay the foundations as we go on from there. Uh, the word disciple is not really a common word that uh, we use today, is it? Hands up if you you know, it's your self-identifier. You know, someone, someone asks you who you are. Hi, I'm Glenn, disciple of Jesus. I don't know, we don't, we don't use it, do we? The only really two places we do see that word uh, is probably in a monastery or a cult. Uh, are the probably two areas we see that, and they're kind of quite well removed from the majority of people, uh, those lifestyles and all that that means. Uh, it's quite removed from, from ordinary uh, us. So we'll just before we get into this nature of, of grace, I want to just... Talk about what discipleship is. Give us a bit of a working definition as we make our way through uh, this series. So the, the root word of, of disciple, where the word comes from, is actually the word to learn. So at its very heart, at the very core of being a disciple, is to be a student, first and foremost. Uh, and that, that is from day dot, when you become a Christian, right through to when you die and depart this earth. We are always, it is fundamental to be what a disciple is, is to be a learner, uh, and particularly a learner of Jesus, a follower of of Jesus. I think one of the more helpful uh, words or ideas around this, to flesh this out, is the idea of apprenticeship. And we've got a picture there of an apprentice working uh, their trade, as it were. And I think, up on the screen hopefully, I think there... I think that apprenticeship is a really good model for us for modern day thinkers because an apprenticeship involves uh, learning some actual practical hands-on skills. At one point you're on the work site, you're learning the, the, the tools of your trade as it were, but also in an apprenticeship there's this theory side that you're building up at the same time, how I go about my work, some of the habits that I have to be a good builder, some of the knowledge and the content that I need in order to build a house or whatever it is that I'm building. So there's this um, great mix in an apprenticeship of practice and theory, uh, of character even, uh, and competence, the ability to do the job uh, on, on the work site. So if, if we flick this over into being followers of Jesus, being apprenticed to Jesus, uh, the same is true. We are learning uh, to be like him in terms of his character, in terms of his stance towards the world, in terms of his attitude. Uh, and all of those things, and maybe some of the, like the soft skills we might call them, the way we interact with people, uh, all of that sort of stuff. But also we're growing in to do the stuff that he did, to actually do the stuff, uh, to visit uh, the poor, to uh, uh, interact with different parts of society, to preach the kingdom, to talk about the kingdom, uh, to pray, uh, to heal, all of those, those actual competencies we might call them, skills of being Uh, like Jesus. We are called to bring the kingdom to bear in whatever situation we find ourselves. We're learning to do that. We're growing to do that. We're being apprenticed by Jesus. 
uh, Jesus said at the, at the end of our verse, and I will be with you until the end of the age. He continues to be with us, equipping us in that role. So apprenticeship, I think, a helpful model to think through the two aspects, character, uh, but also competencies. Uh, it's not enough just to uh, be a nice person. We have to actually do some stuff at the same time. So having that said, having that is our kind of working definition, what is the nature of grace then uh, that creates a person that does some stuff, that doesn't just kind of sit on their tuff and, and receive the grace, receive the forgiveness? What is the nature of grace? And I think we're very clear in Scripture. We understand Scripture tells us that grace is a free gift, right? It's a free gift. Paul says, it is by grace you have been saved, not through any works of your own. You cannot do anything to get grace. It's a free gift that God, God bestows on us, not something we bestow on ourselves or give to ourselves. It's something that God gives to us. It's free. We don't have to do anything to receive it, right? But then, we, if you even have had a little flick through the Gospels, uh, parable after parable after parable that Jesus gives are these cautionary tales of people living in certain ways or doing, living certain lives and failing to receive the kingdom of God, falling short of being part of the kingdom of God. Just one for, for uh, argument's sake, uh, the parable of the ten virgins, uh, waiting for the bridegroom to come. Ten, uh, five, five were foolish, had their lamps but didn't have oil to, in case the bridegroom came late. They always come late, right? Yeah. Stupid. Uh, right from the outset, like... <laughs> Uh, so the five have got their lamps, uh, but no oil to top them up when the bridegroom is late. Five were wise and had the, the oil ready to top up as they were going on. And it's this, it's this parable about the maintaining your spiritual life until the day that Jesus comes. It's not enough to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be with you and then go off and do whatever I want. It's not enough to have a one-off really amazing experience with God. Uh, or a sporadic commitment to God that I'm kind of hot and cold and I'm on and off with God all the time. Uh, Jesus is warning us that if you live like that, you're in danger of the doors closing in front of you and missing out of the kingdom of God. So how do we understand then? Free gift, it's yours. But <laughs> uh, be careful uh, that you don't miss out. You know? So how do we reconcile those two things? I hope, I hope we're getting the, kind of the, the question there. Our next slide is a picture of what has become this kind of I don't know, YouTube phenomenon, the unboxing video. Have you heard of the unboxing video? Yeah? So that's when someone, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, someone films uh, them getting their latest device, a mobile phone, a tablet, and they film themselves opening the box and you know, pulling out the new device and showing you what's in the box and isn't it all beautiful and shiny uh, and all, all the sorts of things. The unboxing video. Quite helpful sometimes if you want to know you're about to make a purchase. But don't spend the, the 12 minutes you know, watching uh, something like that. A uh, little thing that's happened now. And there's no uh, charging cable in the boxes anymore. You know, to save the environment, I guess. But that's a little bit annoying. Anyway, we digress. Grace, the nature of grace, the gift of salvation that is given to us is a little bit like the, um, the, the, the box of the new device, that everything in the box uh, is given to you for salvation. So it's, it's all in the box, as it were, the charging cable included. It's all in there. So when we receive Christ, and, and let me be clear, when we receive Christ, 
Uh, it is not about saying a one-off prayer. It's not about even being, having, being baptized as a kid. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit into my life, that I've said, Jesus, I want your life in my life. Those, with the, those, who, have the, those who have the Spirit of God are the children of God. Okay, so it's receiving the Spirit. It's not attending church. It's not being a nice person. I think we're clear on that nowadays. We understand that. It is receiving of the Holy Spirit. Once I receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, I am receiving the life of Christ. It's all in the box, uh, given to me. But it is given to me as a seed that I then need to flesh out and work out in my particular life, in in Glenn's life. I need to flesh that out, to live that out, to make it make contact with the world in and around me, uh, to make real. I have to make that real in everyday life. That is what salvation is. Salvation is making real what God has given me uh, into the world. Uh, and we might think of a whole lot of Jesus' parables might come to mind, the parable of the talents. Each one was given certain amounts of talents, and it was about their use of those talents, about the fleshing out of those talents, Uh, that meant they got a reward for what they did. The other part of that is that I receive that grace into my actual life. I I, I mean, I receive it in the future with the promise of the kingdom, but I also receive that grace now into the life that I am living now. My walking around, my struggles, uh, my sinful life, the different things that I'm going through, all of that, and the cut and thrust of my relating to other people, doing my job, raising kids, whatever it is, that's where I receive that life now to be lived out in that life now. Not off in the distance, not off in the future, not in the past. Even if I've done some, even if God's done things in my life in the past, it's here and now. So the question then becomes for me, if I've received that grace, what would it look like if Jesus was living my life now? What would it look like as I walk down the streets of Blenheim, as I go to my job, as I interact with my family, uh, all of those things? What would what would Jesus be doing in those situations? That's the question I ask myself. What should I be saying? How should I be treating others? What should I be doing with my time, with my money? Would Jesus be watching this? Would Jesus be doing this? You know, what would Jesus do? The classic, what would Jesus do? Uh, that is what I am thinking about in, in, the, in the fleshing out of that grace that has been given to me. So Bonhoeffer, writing in the 1930s, he talked about uh, the difference between what he called, and he coined the phrase, cheap grace and costly grace. What is the difference between cheap grace and costly grace? Uh, and he talked about cheap grace as this kind of universalizing of grace. That grace is this, Jesus died on the cross for everyone, didn't he? He died for all. And so then grace, forgiveness of sins, is this just kind of blanket, coverall. Um, idea, this concept, this automatic covering of sin for everybody in all time, everywhere. God has saved everyone, and it's just there in the ether. We don't have to do anything about it. God's forgiven us. And so we might think of that in terms of, um, I've, I've, I've received that automatically, and I can just kind of carry on with my life. This is not biblical salvation, is what Bonhoeffer is saying. This is not salvation. Salvation is when God looks down on my life and he sees Jesus in my life, at work in my life, in some measure or other. Because salvation is Jesus. Salvation is God sees Jesus, his perfect life in place of our life. Uh, And as we identify and live our lives in him, we are saved. 
Uh, so Jesus, if God is looking down and he's seeing Jesus at work in my life, uh, it is not enough for us to have a, a concept or an understanding of forgiveness as this thing that is just over us there everywhere all the time. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, have we been guilty of that understanding of grace? Bonhoeffer says that this type of grace is something that we give to ourselves. Cheap grace is something we give ourselves. So we say, well, you know, I, I, I might feel guilty about my sin. I might feel guilty that I'm, I'm not living how I should live or I'm out of touch with God or whatever it may be. And I say to myself, it's okay. You know, God is a God of grace. God has got a forgiveness up there somewhere. God's forgiven me and that's, that's fine. I can just carry on and live as I want to live. And I kind of don't give it another thought, those guilty feelings. And over time, those guilty feelings kind of subside, subside to the point where we don't even acknowledge guilt anymore. That is cheap grace, the idea that I don't have to do anything about it because God's done it all. Uh, what Bonhoeffer wants to talk about with costly grace or true grace is that God, true grace is not given to ourselves. It's something that God actually gives to us. God decides. God bestows that grace on us. So the idea then is that if I sin, if I feel out of touch with God, if I feel guilty about the way in which I'm living, I then come to God actually come to God in prayer, myself, one-on-one with God, and I acknowledge my sin, my failure to follow him, um, all of those things, and I ask for his forgiveness. I ask for his grace to do better. I apply specifically to me the grace that is on offer for, for us, uh, for those who believe. Do you see the difference there? So this big nebulous kind of idea, it's all done, I can just do what I want, versus... I need to activate the grace. I need to apply the grace to my particular situation, uh, not only to my life, of course, but also to my sin, uh, to, to the way in which I'm living. I need to bring that before God and ask for him to forgive me, not for me to say, God's forgiven me, it's okay, but to hear uh, his forgiveness of me. James uh, 2, uh, the book of James speaks a lot on this um, a mix between grace and works. And we've got the slide, the words there on the screen from James 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? Can this idea of forgiveness up here, as beautiful as it may be and as well thought out as it may be, can it save me that, that I believe that God is a God of grace? But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, and I by my works, will show you my faith. It's, it's the in-the-box idea. James is, you know, it's this in-the-box idea. I have faith. I believed in Jesus as my Savior, but I, that has been, that's at work in me now. That's how I show that I believe, because it, it's at work in me. That's how I show I've received the gift of grace, because it's at work at some, in some measure of my life. We're not expecting perfection, but we're, we want to see some, uh, some point where Jesus is at work in my life. You believe that God is one. You do well. Well done. Even the demons believe and shudder. So the idea that just agreeing, uh, you know, that something is true and good. I agree. I believe that God is a God of grace. So in all these things, just believing it is very, very different uh, from doing it, from living it out, from uh, letting that reality shape the very person that I am uh, and, and letting it move through me. Uh, you know, Jesus talked about living waters coming out of me. Yeah, we have that experience. 
So we're going to look at that through, throughout the series. What does it mean to live it out, to make it be part of uh, who we are? I'm going to finish just with, um, just for us to think on, in Ash Wednesday, part of our service, we uh, brought up the palm crosses from last Easter, last, last year, and we burnt them in a metal pot. It was lots of fun. A little bit of turps. Oof, I love it. And big flames. A little bit of singed uh, seat that we're sitting on, but we don't worry about that. Uh, and as we, uh, we, we, we brought, this, brought the crosses up and we put them in the, in the bowl, and as we did that, we, we reflected on the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, those who save their lives will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And the crosses are kind of the symbolism, symbolizing our lives, that we're going to throw them in the fire, we're going to throw our lives away for Jesus to do whatever he will want to do with them. We're handing that over to him for whatever he will do for him. And the, and the beauty is, I mean, it's amazing, that if we throw them away, Jesus says we find our life. We find life. You know, that's the good news. We find uh, the, the thing that we've, we want and we're desiring that's the best thing for us. So as we close, I want us to think about today. What is it, if, if you were here at the service, you can do it again, but what is it that you want to throw in the fire today? What is it that you would like to give up uh, what aspect of your life? Maybe it is a sin that you, you uh, persistence in something you want to get, get rid of and get out of your life. Maybe it's um, an attitude of pride or independence or, or whatever it is that isn't the life of, that you know is not the life of Jesus uh, that Jesus calls us to. I think one of the ways this shows up in, in, in my life sometimes is, you know, you have a bit of a, a bit of a, what do we call it, strongly worded discussion with your a family member. And, you know, you go your separate ways. And you don't want to. You don't want to be the first to resolve it, do you? you know, I'm in the right here. I'm not going to go and apologise or, or do all that sort of thing. You know, that that needs to go in the fire. That's not the life of Jesus. I need to give that up and hand that over uh, because I'm holding on to my life and I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And those and those little those little uh, moments. What life do I want? What life do I want to lead? Uh, the life of Jesus leads to life. So let's. Um, so I'm going to pray, and I'm, what I'm going to do is going to lead us through a bit of a repentance prayer around that. So I don't know what, what I call my one. What do I call that? Stubborn, maybe stubbornness. Does that sound? Does that fit the crime? <laughs> I see someone nodding at the back here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to. I'm going to use that word stubbornness, and I want you to put in the word. Uh, that applies to you. If, you. if you've got a sense of what it is for you, what's, what do you want to give over uh, today? And let's, yeah, God is good. God is good because he wants to bring his grace into our lives, yeah? He wants to see his grace work in our lives. It, it, the grace cannot work in our lives unless we do this, unless we bring him in to the kind of nuts and bolts of our lives. That's where it gets applied. Okay, let's, let's pray. So, Father God, I give over to you and I place in your hands my stubbornness today. And church, you fill in whatever it is for you. I give that over to you today in Jesus' name. Father God, I repent of that behavior and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me, I ask. Thank you, Lord, that when we ask, you respond to us. God, I ask that by your Spirit in my life, you would change me to be more like Jesus. 
We commit ourselves to you in his name. Amen. Amen. Got someone to come and lead us in prayer. Who is leading us in prayer?